Welcome to Growing Your Financial Advisory Practice Podcast by Stamp Projections, episode 18. I'm your host, Pavel Brominski, and my goal is to interview experts to provide you with insights, strategies, and actionable tactics that you can start applying to grow your financial advisory practice today. For more information, head over to snapprojections.com slash podcast. Now, let's introduce today's featured guest. Today's guest is Shannon Lee Simmons. Shannon is a certified financial planner, chartered investment manager, author, and founder of the New School of Finance. She's widely recognized as a trailblazer in the Canadian financial planning industry. Her book, Worry-Free Money is a national bestseller. She's a personal finance writer for the Globe and Mail, the financial expert for CBC Radio's Metro Morning, and the Marilyn Dennis Show. Shannon, welcome to the show. Hey, thanks for having me. Uh, Shannon, I'm really excited to have you on, and uh, I can't wait to dive into it. So let's get this started. So tell me about your firm. What do you do and who do you serve? So we are a fee-only financial planning practice, and we serve families, individuals, small businesses, and households that range anywhere from age 22 to, you know, our oldest client right now is 91. But the <laughs> beef of our majority, like the, the bread and butter of uh, New School Finance tends to be those juicy years between uh, ages, you know, 30 to 45, when there's lots and lots of life going on, maybe, or just a little bit before paying down debt, maybe buying houses, having kids, trying to balance daycare with retirement planning and mortgages and all of that, and then preparing for retirement on the end. That's really the, that's our sweet spot. That's a sweet spot. Excellent. Well, 22 to 91, it's quite a range. Yes. So I'm, I'm glad you narrowed it down a little bit. So let's go, <laughs> let's go back to the beginning. I want to ask you about a little bit about your background. So what made you start a planning firm? Yeah, I uh, I started working on Bay Street at a company called Phillips Hager in North uh, just when I had graduated from university. And then that was working with private clients there, uh, but high net worth. And I thought that that was great. I was having a wonderful time. It was a great firm to work for. I had zero complaints about it. It was, it was great. Then we got bought out by a bank, which again, was still okay. I just... For me, working in a smaller boutique shop was more kind of the trajectory that I thought that I wanted to be on and, and was originally on. And then, you know, becoming part of the bigger bank was like, well, oh, I don't know if I want to do this. And so at the same time in 2008 and 2009, you know, the stock market crashed. And what I realized at the time was here were a clients who are high net worth clients and they're getting this great, fantastic, financial planning advice and um, and coaching really during this really scary time and, and they're able to ask these questions and a lot of my peers at the time you know I was 25 years old or even younger oh my gosh I'm so, uh, so there I was younger and they were asking um, you know what do I do what do I do and I was like wow there really isn't somewhere for you to go is there for, for this kind of advice and let's, and that's the problem and so that's where I kind of saw the problem and so I wanted to do something about that and I kept thinking, there isn't really a business model here. So I'll just try bartering for one. I'll come back to that. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and then well, a lot of people told me that, right? And so the reason this demographic is underserviced is because you can't make money at it. So, you know, don't. So I was like, well, I'm young enough. Don't have a mortgage. Don't have kids. I'm just going to quit and uh, YOLO. And then uh, that wasn't a term back then, but that's exactly what it was. And uh, so I went out on my own. Um, my plan was always to do it for one year. And um, I, I did this thing called the Barter Babes Project. 
And that's where instead of charging money for a year, I gave financial planning advice to 310 women in exchange for a good or service without charging money. <laughs> Amazing. Yeah, it was a really fun project. And it was just for me to like help that demographic. My plan was always to go back to Bay Street and like, you know, get back on and do the responsible thing. And then <laughs> after that one year, I was like so hooked by being my own boss and with the only financial planning and uh, unbiased advice and also working with an underserviced demographic that I was like, well, I'm just going to keep plugging away at this to see if it works. And here we are, yay, these many years later. <laughs> <laughs> wow, that's awesome. So there's, well, you definitely deserve the, the term trailblazer, right? Because you've been really testing a lot of different things. So so I want to ask you really, because that's a major challenge for a lot of CFPs in fee-for-service uh, uh, division, or I would say market segment, because, you know, so how do you structure this? How, how do you make this work? So you provide most value to people who don't actually have millions of dollars. Yes. Uh, but are profitable at the same time and affordable to consumers, which is tough. How do you make it work? Oh, oh let me tell you. <laughs> a lot of innovating is necessary and a lot of hard work and a lot of grit. So um, it's easy for me to look back now and say, you know, you can have it all. It's a balance, blah, blah, blah. But I worked my butt off for a very long time working outrageous hours and evenings and doing, you know, free talks at every condo you know, party room for a long time. I think that how we do it, number one, this sounds so trite, but provide excellent service every time, all the time, regardless of who the client is, because our business has tripled since uh, like in the last even like four years. And it's 95% word of mouth, friends talk, people talk, family talks. So if you're knocking it out of the park for every single client, they're going to walk away stoked and then they're going to want to tell someone as well. So never take any client like anything for granted. Even if you in your head, you're like, Oh my God, if I talk about a TFSA one more time, but you have to just bring your A game every time. Uh, so that's been really helpful. And then the second thing is a lot of innovation. So um, to try to make a, a super non-scalable business model scalable. So we have our online school programs that really, really helped. We, have, uh, we do a lot of online stuff. We do workshops. So just trying to diversify the revenue stream so it's not just the one-on-one -on -one time. And so from a couple of those different things, we do a lot of stuff. We are also really innovative on our operations side. I think that's an important thing too. So we try to keep our costs low so that the revenue doesn't have to be so inflated just to keep our overhead in check. So we do some sort of... We do office sharing sometimes. Like me and another colleague will swap off at times. So we share one in-person office space. We do everything paperless. We run a really tight ship operationally. And we also sometimes have rotating seasonal staff depending on our busy season. So again, I've been able to innovate on the... Like with how we do our operations management in order to keep costs low for all of our clients. Excellent. Wow, so many things to dive into here. Uh, so, in terms of the your this one one year project, let's go back for a second because, in many ways, you can probably think about that this was critical for you to actually start uh, start this business and, and learn about the customer segment that you want to serve. So, totally. have you learned anything that was really a cornerstone to how you structure the business right now? So, you really focus on value and deliver on that value and kind of remove the fluff. Yeah. So do you mean from that project? Like from how the did... project specifically, yeah. Yeah. Well, it was basically a year-long free sample. And so I learned not only I got I got to really hone my own skill set there where it felt kind of safe to play, you know? Yeah. Um, so there was that piece. And I think that that was great. I was a better financial planner after doing that for a year than I ever was because like I said earlier, 
my clientele now at New School, I mean, we it, it's so diverse. We have people who are high net worth. We have people who are barely keeping it together. Couples, singles, seniors, young people. And so when I was working on Bay Street, it was a very the same type of client and the same type of advice every time. Because when you're dealing with high net worth clients, you're dealing with a lot of the similar issues, right? right? So what was neat from the project was that it really kept me on my toes to... You know, anybody who came in, um, I was kind of financial planning around a whole bunch of different areas, emotional stuff and more, a lot of more coaching stuff and the freelance stuff. So, a lot of that diversity in a range of my skill set and getting to exercise those muscles really helped propel me and also interest me into my current practice, which is like, keep it weird. Like, it's fun and it makes you a better planner when you're constantly challenged when something new is coming in every day because then you don't get bored of, the, of, of what you're doing and you can really focus in on the people. So that was a big one. And then I think that just... I think that I really learned that word of mouth is the most powerful referral system in the world. That was really proven with that project. I mean, I had no expectations for it. It was like this weird thing I was doing and I didn't anticipate it to kind of take off the way that it did. And I feel very lucky to have had that experience because it really did... It was my springboard from which to launch very safely into new school finance. And that was because the word of mouth piece was so powerful from that community that I was like, wow, you can make a business based on people talking to friends. That is something I never thought was possible before I had done that. So the idea of that year-long free sample, I mean, it was the stupidest financial thing I ever did. I ended up taking on credit card debt. It was ridiculous Um, because you can't live off barter. (laughs) Well, I couldn't. So that got hard. But I like to think of that credit card debt as like the investment into my business. And you know, if I when I shift my perspective that way, it makes it feel less dumb. <laughs> this is great, but you know what you learn? You learn some of the valuable skills and 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 and, uh, and even in terms of marketing, you know how you can actually make it work. And that that was critical. And that really shows how great of an entrepreneur you are because you took pretty big risk, right? I mean, you oh, could yeah. have this cushy job on on Bay Street and you could be making money, and and uh, and then you decide, no, no, hang on, hang on, let's let's do something else in the meantime. So. This is awesome. I think a lot of people can actually learn from this experience. Uh, okay. I want to talk... Uh, you mentioned this emotional stuff before. Uh, so I have this on the list. I want to go back to this emotional stuff. So you, 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 you just mentioned that you don't focus only on the numbers and just emotional stuff as well. So why does this matter? Like why, why is this emotional stuff is, is, is important? Oh, my friend, my friend. <laughs> I think that money has oh, nothing to do with math. I think that it's all emotional. So you know, every single person knows that you spend less money than you make and you save it and then it's done. It's simple arithmetic, right? Um, We all know that. And yet here we all are in a situation where we may not be where we want to be financially. We feel behind. We feel like we don't know where money goes. And like if you open your bank statement, there it is. That's where it went. So why are we asking that question? And it's it's got nothing to do with the numbers and logic. That's why I have a job. That's why anybody who is a financial planner has a job because the logic is sometimes not necessarily what's happening when we make our financial decisions every day. So I make the joke a lot that my job is 80% life coaching, which I'm also a certified life coach. Um, <laughs> and 25% is spreadsheet because really the math stuff is just, that's it. And so I think that when we're talking about... I mean, you can have all the information in the world, but no matter how much you know about brokerage accounts and ETFs and, and you know margin accounts and double and calls and puts and everything and you know, all that stuff, if you don't actually have enough money at the end of the month to put into your investment accounts and take advantage of all that knowledge, or no matter how much you know about debt, if you don't actually have the money to put towards that debt, 
then all of that information is moved. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. And so most of the time, that piece at the very beginning, whatever is driving that behavior is so based on how we feel about our finances, our emotional state at the time, what emotion is actually driving that decision. And the rest is just luck <laughs> after that. So I, I really think that that is such a big piece of why I believe that financial planners and advisors have a future, even in a world of you know ro- robots and uh, automation, because I think that the human capacity to understand how another human being is feeling and work within that emotional space is still where we provide value. Excellent. So the finance has nothing to do with numbers, just emotions. This is going to be my new favorite quote, I think. Right. Uh, because this is so interesting. So uh, let's dive a little bit deeper. So, so in terms of, you mentioned there's, uh, there's this kind of single emotions that, that sometimes you focus on. Do you actually isolate this to a different emotion that people feel? And, and based on understanding this, of that emotion, you provide, I don't know, better way of, of uh, advising them? Or it, it's really, it's kind of more generic? Uh, that's an interesting question. I think I really am all, I'm often listening for guilt. I think guilt is a big one that drives financial decisions and a lot and inadequacy. So when I hear people shame talking themselves, uh, you know, I'm so bad with money. I suck with money. Like I'm listening for that kind of self-talk, um, or guilt. That's a big one that can drive a lot of emotional decisions and I'll be quick to call it out. You know, like who's making me feel guilty? What's happening there? Like, why do you feel like that? Um, and sometimes even just posing that question back, someone's like, oh, I didn't realize that that's exactly what I was doing. And so just having that perspective shift that, you know, kind of shows someone that maybe this isn't your rational, logical brain um, making this financial decision. A lot of times our emotions make us feel like things have to happen. We use words like, I can't or I have to, um, but that's not necessarily true. That's just how it feels, right? So sometimes offering that perspective shift is really helpful. I wouldn't say I identify a specific emotion unless it's guilt or inadequacy. Those are two that I, I when I hear them, and I hear them a lot, you kind of get used to picking up on them and just calling it out and letting someone know that that's what I kind of am seeing what's going on and seeing how that sits with them. And oftentimes they're like, you're right, that is what's happening but I don't want to feel like that anymore. So that's a big one. That's awesome. And you know, I, th- I think that basically that your, your ability to understand those emotions is just really helping people. It just has not even an impact on their financial situations, but probably uh, at a broader angle at, the, at, the, at their lives, right? So that's why they're so grateful, right? That's why you get those referrals because they, you're essentially transforming them. At the same time, providing financial planning advice. Oh, well, I hope so. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Okay, so let's uh, let's talk a little bit more about um, so uh, wide range of clients, and uh, so the use call of finance uh, is also launching the online courses. So, so tell me, are you trying to basically how you're thinking about the courses as a as a complement to your business, or basically you're tra- tra- trying to serve the the segment that maybe is not able to actually afford you on on one on one online basis, so they can actually uh, learn some of the technical stuff as well, and you you uh, you serve them in a way of online course. Yeah, both. Yeah, both. So um, number one, the first initial push for it was to service the people who can't afford or don't want to come in to a one-on-one, but they still want to get curated information. Everything's on the internet. Let me Google that for you, right? So, But never underestimate the power of curated content because it's overwhelming out there sometimes with who do you trust which blogs are for you, all that stuff. So if somebody already knows that New School Finance is a Canadian, so if you're Canadian, oh, great. At least I know that this will be based towards me and not necessarily someone in the US. That's a big piece. Um, And then second of all, 
maybe they have read our blog for a while, or maybe they've had a friend that's come in before. They've read they've read my book or something. There's a trust. There's a trust that like, okay, you speak my language, as in like I'm a, I'm a young person. I, I'm self employed. I'm freelancing, and you get that right. Like you speak to me. Um, so this is already curated two levels down for me. Okay, I'll take the risk and I'll access the information from this point because when I go on the internet, it just feels overwhelming and I'm not entirely sure if it's applicable to me. So I think that's really where the idea started from. And then um, it also... A lot of our clients who are existing clients have also enrolled in some of them as a just an extra additional layer. But I'll give you a great example. Um, someone who comes in for household financial planning, they're also a freelancer and they're like, oh, we'll do your freelancer um, course because we don't want to come in for a full session for that. We just want to grab this little, little tidbit from you. So it's really helped to allow us to do that. And one of the things that most fee-only planners find is that there's only one of you and time is billable money, right? And so... It's really hard to grow when there's only so many hours in a day that one person can possibly be sitting in a chair delivering financial advice. So it was really one of the... I mean, obviously, I did this with intention, but I didn't know how it would work out. And so I was happy to take the project on and just kind of swing out there and see. And it's been a really lovely complement to the service-based business because if somebody enrolls in one of our courses, it's no additional time yeah. And then we are in a time-based business. So that to me was like a whole new world, right? I was very excited about that. <laughs> um, and so that's not our main bread and butter. Our main bread and butter is delivering financial advice one-on-one. But it has been such a lovely compliment to just help us grow overall without the exhaustion of a human being. I mean, I, when I made it, I was exhausted, but then it was done. <laughs> so it's like, whoo, there it is. Cyber baby into the world. Yes, and it's a great value basically because it's it's you know it helps with uh, basically expansion revenue, right? So mm-hmm. you know, you're, you're trading time for for money. There's this expansion component to it, and potentially, I mean, there's uh, it helps may help probably with degeneration builds of course trust. There's, so there's so many positive impacts, and and really, I think this is this is a really great opportunity for you because you know what I speak with hundreds of advisors, and I see a lot of advisors not actually not using the online channel at all. I know. I mean, sometimes because they can't because or it's hard for them because compliance, and of course, but you know, if you service there's no there's low let's don't say no compliance but there's little compliance or, or yes. less compliance less. Uh, and uh, and you can actually make it work so this is this is fantastic so when we focus on your planning process do you have a process that you typically start with and if you can maybe break down break down this, this process for us kind of the big building blocks what starts you know what is at the beginning what stages are you going to meetings and so on yeah do you mean like the client experience from client start experience, to finish sure. okay so uh, first of all, our kind of planning philosophy is, and I, it's it's on our website too. The analogy that I use is like a road trip across Canada. That's like you now to retirement, right? So we draw a big line across the map, and we know that that's where you're going eventually. But what if your car breaks down in Manitoba? What if you just want to like park it and chill in Winnipeg for a bit there? You know, like there's a whole bunch of things that happen along the way. And so a lot of times, um, if we just try to map you out from here to you know, Victoria, then there's a lot of life in there that's going to throw you off course and it's not that helpful. So we always keep the end goal in mind, but we have affordable sessions so that you can come in and check in in every province to make sure that you're still on the right track and you're still doing the most efficient route to get there given the weather. Maybe there has been an accident or construction or something. So that's kind of like our philosophy. So we've more... Our client experience is more people coming in... Um, every one to three years, somewhere in that zone, depending, or, or I've had some clients, you know, they'll come in 
twice in a year because so much life went on in that year. And then they, I don't see them for four years after that, right? So it just depends on what's happening in their life cycle. So that's kind of the, the when and where they come in. However, the actual experience from when they book an appointment... So they, you know, they go online. If they're if they're already a client, they know the deal, the deal, so they'll just book what they need. But like, let's say that they're a new client, and they've never experienced this before. They probably get in touch before they book anything because they're like, "Hey, I've heard about you, or and I'm interested. What's going on?" Um, our client service department will chat with them and just say like, "Hey, here's what we do." Direct them to the right information, give them the information, however they need it to to land with them. Here's our offerings. Here's our prices. We're very transparent. All of our fees are posted on our website. And I do that on purpose because. I think there's nothing worse in the world than trying to get financial advice and then being priced away from it. So you reach out for help and then all of a sudden a price tag comes out that you can't afford. And that can happen at anybody's income level, right? Like somebody who who makes 100 grand a year could still feel that if the bill was 6 grand, right? Like they might still be like, "Whoa, whoa, whoa, that's insane. Yeah, I can't I can't do that." Yeah. Right. So so this way we put our prices right on the website so that anyone reaching out, anyone booking is a person that knows going into it that they can afford this. There's no confidence issue. There's no insecurity about it. Um, and it also makes our onboarding process super easy because there's no game. They already know. Right? Yeah. It's like it's already a slam dunk. <laughs> so <laughs> so like that's great, right? And so um, so I'm really passionate about doing that. It was a big risk. I know a lot of people told me not to do that. But for me, I think with the demographic we're serving, I think it's actually been a boon. Anyway, so they'll come in, they'll confirm like if there was anything or if they wanted to do a combo session or something. Once they confirm their meeting, they book, um, then we send them homework. So that's a big piece of this. Our, like, we have these proprietary homework sheets. Um, so that kind of is where they fill out, you know, income. It's a net worth statement and an income and ex- expense thing. It's not really that exciting. However, it's just fun the way that we have set it up. So it feels less intimidating. It feels like welcoming and it's explained in a way that makes it fun. So even as you're kind of going through and filling out stuff, you're, you're laughing. And so that's a nice intro. It's just a really warm and big hug. Like, hey, it's going to be fun here. It's okay. Then they send that back. We do our stuff. We have uh, para planners here. So we do our prep and like for a meeting, then they come in and then we sit down and we have a meeting and a chat about it. And one of the things that I'm really passionate about too is that one of the takeaways is a customizable tool that we use. So instead of printing out a document, um, we actually do it on a live spreadsheet. So, and I teach them how to use it so that what actually we, all the planners here do, um, so that when a client leaves, they are able to make changes themselves. Like, oh, you got a raise? Great. Put your new income in. And then it'll, it'll, the plan will change with you so that you're kind of like empowered to do it yourself. Not totally. Obviously, I would still love to have a job, but there's a, there's an empowerment piece that comes with knowing how to make decisions on affordability in your daily life that comes from that. Because again, the big picture is getting you across the country, but the little picture is like, well, can I afford this car? Yeah. Like, how does that impact the end? That's the that's the piece that we solve. Absolutely, absolutely. There's a lot of questions around. Can I afford to basically maybe purchase some of the things right now so my retirement is not going to impact it? I'm not going to run out of money in retirement. Yeah, excellent. So this is a great process. So the so I think there's some. Uh, I'm just going to so, uh, focus on a couple of things. So you have the start and end, and of course it's a big journey, and uh, there there are different ways of. Uh, I guess you can you can go step by step, but you they they're working with you. They know that they can rely on on, on help uh, any uh, at any point of time. The fees are transparent. There's homework, but homework is made fun. And I've seen some of your videos and they're fun. So <laughs> if anyone, uh, anyone wants to see them, um, 
uh, they, they can go to your website. Uh, and uh, so, uh, quick question here. Do you work also with maybe investment managers, maybe larger teams that they don't actually go want to do you know, planning, but maybe uh, they would want to refer some to somebody like yourself who is basically living in planning every single day? Would you accept referrals, for example? No, we don't. Hardcore, no. Um, and much to my detriment, I think, financially. So we are... Sometimes I wonder if I'm a little too hardcore about that, but we absolutely, from day one, I have staked my reputation on the fact that I do not have any referral arrangements. And so that is the deal. I've been approached many, many times. I have not shaming anyone who does it because I totally get why. Uh, I mean, the business model works. I get it. And I, I sometimes literally question at 3 in the morning if I'm bananas for not. And I don't think it's a, it's a misplaced righteousness. It's not about that. It's just... I was... When I started New School, that was exactly what I wanted to do. I said, there one place where... there Even if there's a... Refer, I, even if there is a... Hey, these are three or four people that I really trust. Um, even that is... I'm biased, right? Like, even that is like, there's no money coming back into my hand. Because... That way, I can say without a shadow of a doubt that there is no like what I'm saying to you is accurate, and this is what I think is truly the best interest for you. And so, um, what we do with referrals, because a lot of times, very much like in GP, people trust us to um, like like okay, well now I need someone for insurance or I need someone for this, and I can't I can't fulfill that for them. We don't sell product, right? So we have a list of kind of. Um, what's the word I'm looking for? Vetted referral people that... And when I say vetted, I just mean I've met them or Liz has met them or Kathleen. One of our people has met them. Um, They have a similar vibe as in they think client comes first. They're wanting to work with the same demographic that we serve. Uh, They're open and it's a safe place and all of the stuff that's important to us. And then we'll also say like, we'll have a list. So if somebody's like, hey, do you have a, a person that you know, can give us the life life insurance or something like that that we were talking about today. Um, I'd say, well, here's a list of like five people that I think are great over to you. And I don't get any kickback from any of them. So it's up to you to choose them. But like, if you want someone who's going to give you a safe space, not oversell you, um, is happy to work with the same demographic that we are, then you'll probably like the cut of one of their jibs. And like that, that's what we do. So it is, we don't do that. Um, but I question it at three in the morning a lot. I do. I do. I won't break, <laughs> but sometimes I wonder why. Because <laughs> I don't because I don't think there's anything wrong with it, especially if you're disclosing it, right? What's the problem? So uh, so we don't, but that's the that's what makes us maybe unique and strange. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I get it. I get it that you're so hesitant about referrals because uh, because uh, traditionally the industry has been very kind of closed and nobody knows what's going on and how is this all happening, right? Yeah. But I think with the proper level of disclosure, probably there is a way to 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 work with other professionals. Hundred percent. Just like you know, just the way you would work maybe an accountant, right? Just uh, because the thing is, the problem with fee only is that there is this implementation aspect, right? And clients, yes. if you're not licensed, if you can't provide the product, which is maybe the last step, then uh, how do we help clients to actually implement, right? So that's that's why I ask. I, and I think that that is such an important piece that could be solved by having some sort of arrangement as long as it's fully disclosed. That's what I'm saying. Like, I don't, I don't see anything wrong with doing that at all. That's just not how we're doing it. Yeah. But I completely get that model. And I actually think that it does help with the implementation piece. Because like I said, we do our best to you know, teach them to fish, so to speak, to use an overused metaphor or a analogy. It's a good one. And then we give the tool... And say, here's how to use that in the meantime. 
Um, but because we're affordable, our plan really is to hope to see from a business model and also from an implementation view um, is to see them every two to three years, right? To see how did it go because we see them often. Whereas uh, if you're charging more money, you want to make sure like for bigger plans and bigger implementation stakes, right? So at that point, I think you do, you have a stake, you, you want to see the plan finish through from both sides, from the client perspective and the financial planner's perspective, um, because what help was was it if it didn't get implemented, right? So I think that that has a place absolutely, and it's just a different take on the business model. Absolutely, for sure, that uh, makes sense. So uh, just going back to the kind of fee for service, I think uh, since you're not licensed, since you are uh, since you are running fee for fee for service business, then uh, it appears to me that you are also a really good value uh, valuable option for people who don't want to for CFPs, maybe new CFPs entering the industry who don't want to basically be working on Bay Street, but maybe kind of focus more on fee for service planning, so they can maybe get experience. Uh, what do you think about that? Where are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I think I mean this is uh, this is a big question coming up for a lot of us uh, fee only planners. A lot of us often get emails from people who are in exactly that situation. They want to do financial planning. They don't want to go through and get their three years experience, um, you know, at a retail branch or something like selling selling um, products that they don't believe in, um, and not being able to give advice in the way that they want to. Like, there's a lot of things that for some people just like they don't want to do that. And then, um, but they have to get their three years somewhere if they want to be a CFP, and so. I'm very proud of the fact that like, because um, New School counts as fee-only financial planning, people who come here, if they're in the CFP program, um, their years here could count towards their uh, CFP experience. So that is something that is very exciting because I'm willing... And, and I always think my big thing, and I think one of the things of success, and this has to do with your question, is I'm very big on hiring the right person and not necessarily the right credentials. And I have been very successful because of that. So for example, my chief of client service, like our manager or director of client service was um, a professional ballet dancer for most of her life. And then, you know, did a whole <laughs> career shift into working here. And she's been one of the best things that ever happened to me and the business. But like, you know, on paper, that might have not been the work experience that somebody might have been looking for, for, you know, a right-hand person. And so... And you know, my very first financial planner that I hired was a teacher, and so and that because like a teacher first and a tutor, and then now she's a financial planner and like finished the CFP program. So I think that what's really cool about that is that you can't teach those soft skills on like uh, reading a room, emotionally leveling with somebody, understanding what's happening. Um, those kind that empathy piece that that communication skills are way more difficult for me to teach someone than math and what a TFSA is and how that works. So I'm willing to wait to give them the beefy financial planning until they get their CFP to get the right person in here and give them experience on the ground. And then I can also I can help shape that planning piece along the way. And so, um, so I think that that's really important that we, get, we don't always get so caught up on the credential piece uh, because there's a lot of good planners out there or potential planners out there that aren't necessarily a CFP yet that would love to be one. And I think that the CFP is super important. It's a non-negotiable here if you want to work here. Uh, but at the same time, I'm willing to take you in before you're there as long as you're willing to learn it. 
Excellent. I think that's awesome because that really opens up a lot of avenues for some people who maybe are not good, not not there yet, right? But yeah. uh, but they're super motivated and they will put a lot of work and especially when they have some of the skills, that, you know, including, for example, empathy and being able to talk to clients, being able to you know, balance a, you know, a lot of different things at the same time, project management skills. I mean, that really gives them a lot of motivation to work with you. So that's uh, that's super fun. That's great. I hope so. It's one of my favorite parts of hiring a new planner is the kind of the mentorship that goes with that. Yeah, and then you get to watch the people to how they perform over time and how they improve, which is awesome too. Awesome. They're all going to be better than me. Some most of them already are, and that's my goal. My goal is to put is so that every single one of them is better than me. That's the that's the goal. I want eventually people to come and be like, I don't want to go with that Shannon girl. I'd rather go with <laughs> people. That's what I want eventually. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sure they. I'm sure they they have a long way to learn everything from you. But you're very very modest. So. Um, so since you're based in Toronto, you probably have a lot of clients uh, dealing with uh, substantial maybe amount of debt, right? Because the housing market has been so elevated yeah. here. So you know, is there anything specific around that that you have that, or maybe some courses that you have that, uh, or specific advice that you would have uh, for, for how advisors can uh, advise people with, with substantial or elevated amounts of debt? Yeah, well, um, I'll, be, I'll, I'll just make a shameless plug. I have a book coming out January, 2019 called Living Debt Free, the no shame, no blame guide to getting rid of debt. So I have a book that I'll soon be able to offer, which is just focused on paying down debt. And so some of the concepts in there that I think are kind of new or interesting or different than maybe some of the hard hitting, you know, regular pieces that we hear is that, um, again, coming back to that emotional case, man, I'm so predictable, but, uh, one of the things that I've noticed with my clients who have a lot of debt, the more they believe their own garbage, like their own self-talk, the less likely they are to succeed. And so what happens is like debt fatigue. So everybody's really motivated in the very beginning of their debt repayment plan. And then what happens in month like eight or nine when you have to keep choosing to be financially responsible again and again and again and again, maybe you've fallen off the wagon, yeah. trying to get back on. How do you just stop from throwing in the towel altogether? And I think a big piece of that is the um, being properly motivated. So what we often hear is like, oh, the interest that you're going to pay, like, oh, think of the interest, think of the interest, right? But interest is this abstract concept when you are in debt. You don't actually... like You pay your minimum payment but and you see it on a piece of paper. But as long as you've made your minimum payment, it would go... It goes away until next month when the minimum payment's due. So it's very easy to just compartmentalize it, Right. And you know, if you're already in the whole 22 grand, what's another thousand dollars or whatever? It doesn't even feel real at that point. So one of the big jobs that I have is to try to find motive. I call it finding motivation beyond the math. So why else would you pay this down um, besides saving interest? Let's look at every other reason in your life why you might want to pay this down besides the interest, because that kind of motivation is the only thing that's going to get you through those moments when you are have when everybody else is doing something that you want to do and you have to say no because you have to stick to your debt repayment plan what is that motivating piece because the interest is it doesn't it's going to pack less of a punch of motivation as you go right so that's one of the big things that i focus on a lot on is finding a, a reason to pay down debt that has nothing to do at all with with interest um that's a big one. And the second thing that I think I do things a bit differently is most of the time when someone comes into my office with debt, they give me this laundry list of solutions they've already tried, right? And most of the time, it is something that I, I call ag- aggressive debt repayment plans. So you know they get motivated at 2 in the morning, they're Googling all the things. And a lot of times when you go on the internet, you, you look up debt. I think even if you type it into Google... 
how to pay off debt, the first thing that auto populates is quickly. The word quickly or fast, and that's because everyone <laughs> wants to be done with it, right? Yeah. So then you make this plan. I have to be debt free in a year. I can do it. And then you make all these false promises to yourself. I'll, I'll never buy coffee again. I'll bring my lunch every day. I won't buy any clothes. Um, I'll I'll pull the kids out of this program. We'll do all this stuff. No home rentals for the year. Like all this, all these promises, so that you can get it paid off within this arbitrary timeline that you've just created for yourself. And then inevitably you fail. And so one thing that with debt, I mean, it sucks to fail with your money plan, no matter who you are. But if you already have debt, you already believe that you're bad with money, right? That's a fundamental belief. So if you are already going into that with that belief and then you fail at your hardcore plan that you've made, I mean, it just compounds that feeling of shame and, and guilt and, and blame. And I, that's when you give up. And, and so really, a lot of my plans are around re- being realistic. Like you're probably not, you're probably not going to not take a cab once or twice, right? Like you're probably going to take a taxi. So instead of, instead of saying never, let's, let's just plan around what is the the least amount that you can do. Like it's not about all or nothing. It's about finding somewhere in the middle. And so, you know, maybe that does have you paying a little bit more interest in the, in the long run, but it's also probably going to make sure that you complete your plan. And so I'm all about completing a plan and less about the short term win. Yes, and you understand so much about the behavioral coaching and emotional side. So, it's, uh, and of course, your book, we will link it up in the show notes here because I think uh, since the book, as I envisioned, is kind of geared towards consumers, a lot of advisors also can get value from it because they can learn about you know how actually consumers think about psychology. What is that psychology? What kind of feelings they, uh, they, they, they have come up and uh, how potentially advisors could deal with that. Yeah. And there's also a bunch of how-tos on how to just like hammer it out, right? Like all the things to accelerate plans without being unrealistic and all that stuff. So I think that it is absolutely advisor-friendly too. Perfect. Excellent. So there's a lot of exciting things going on right now in your practice. Is there is there any other project that you're excited about? Like what are you really excited about your business uh, right now? Just looking, you know, next three to six months, for example. Um, well, there's one secret project, which hopefully I'll be able to announce in the near, but outside of that one, I know, I know, know. uh, but outside of that, the best thing that I've got going on right now is that our team is just, um, we just took on a new planner and, uh, she starts next week and I'm so excited about it. Um, and so when it's just really cool right now, because I come into the office and there's like an entire staff working on something that I created in my living room, right? And they're all talking about stuff and everybody's busy doing their thing. And then that's a really cool feeling as an entrepreneur. Um, it's scary because now you feel responsible for the success of all these people you really care about. But um, it's also very rewarding. So right now, my most exciting thing right now is that our team is growing and at a rate that um, is very exciting and that shows a lot of promise down the road and and it makes it feel so real. I don't know. I just, I'm, I'm very, I'm having a good moment feeling like a very proud entrepreneur right now. You created a system that works and scales by itself. So this is awesome. Something definitely to be proud of. So uh, I think this is a good moment for so. us to wrap up. Well, so we're still testing it. So, you know, <laughs> <laughs> there will be, uh, there will be improvements and upgrades and everything going fine. So uh, Shannon, this podcast is all about growing your practice. So do you have any parting words of wisdom for, for the listeners? I think it would be exactly what I said to you before, like knock it out of the park every single time. No questions asked. Even if you're having the worst day, uh, you can, you can go home and complain about that later. But if you if someone is paying you money, 
for help, help them into the best of your ability. They will tell someone people chat over brunch. So you want to be the topic of conversation. And then we call it the Monday effect because on Monday, our inbox fills up because everyone was like, I was at my friend's house on the weekend or I was out for dinner with my friend or I was at my family's place and people chat. So that's your job. And so do it um, as best as you can. And then that'll grow your business hundred percent. That's a great piece of advice. So uh, Shannon, if anyone wants to get a hold of you and maybe uh, uh, track you somewhere in the internet to learn a little bit more about your secret project coming up uh, pretty soon, <laughs> how would they do that? What's the best way to reach you? Uh, okay, the best way to get in touch is just to go to the website. So the new school of finance, or sorry, www.newschooloffinance.com and our contact info is there. You can also see what we do for one-on-one appointments and you can see the online school and the book links and all that kind of fun stuff. Shannon, this was a lot of fun. Thank you so much for coming on the show. Oh, thanks for having me. And that's it for this episode. If you have any questions, shoot us an email at podcast at snapprojections.com. And if you're enjoying the show and want more of the amazing guests sharing incredibly valuable knowledge, head over to iTunes and leave us a great review, which helps us get discovered. Thanks, and we'll see you next time.